Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys. Welcome to Phoenix Bible Church again. We've already said that a couple times, but welcome if you are new. Uh, glad that you have joined us uh, for church this morning. We're excited that you're here and excited to open God's Word with you. We are in the second week of a series called We Are PBC, and we call it We Are PBC because we're talking about the, the church, the universal church, and what God has to say about that in His Word, but also that we are part of the church, and we are the people of God. And the way we said it last week is that the, the church is more than a place you go to. It's a people you belong to. If you didn't listen to that sermon, if you weren't here, you can catch it online or on our podcast. But go back and listen to that because what we hit on is really, really important, is that the church is not some place out there that we've had a bad experience with or that we've had a, a good experience with. The, place, the church is not a place out there. The church is the people in here. Right? You are the church. And I think so many times, even after the sermon last week, myself included and um, just people in our church, we, we speak of the church as an institution, as a building, and as an organization. Right? That's what we think of when we think of the church. And we either like that institution or we don't like it or we've had a bad experience with it or we love it and it's been a great thing in our lives. But the church is not primarily those organizations or institutions or those buildings. The church is the people of God. It's more than a place you go to. It's a people you belong to. And so that's what we hit last week, that the church is a people. And today we're going to talk about the purpose of the church. And, and what we've said throughout this series is we don't want to just hear from uh, or hear about us, right, hear about the church. We want to hear from us. And so we interviewed a person in our church last week, and you got to hear from Kim Bernardo and and here's some of her story and some of her journey with the church. Again, that's on the podcast. You can go and listen to it. And it was so cool to hear from Kim after that and her say, you know, some people came up and, like, gave me a hug afterwards and, like, talked to me. And I feel so much more a part of Phoenix Bible Church. And that's why we're sharing these stories so that you realize it's emphasized, you celebrate, you're a part of this thing. What God is building is you. And so that's why we're doing name tags. Some of you see these name tags that say, we are PBC. It's just a fun way to celebrate as you write your name on that tag to remember, oh, yeah, I am PBC, right? We are PBC. As we do a photo booth in the lobby after the service and you squeeze into that frame that says, we are PBC, and you hold up some of our mission statement, that you realize, you celebrate, we are God's church, right? And so we're going to continue that process today as we hear from the church, as we hear from the people of God. And so I'm going to invite up the Powells uh, to come up. They're going to share a little bit with us. Would you guys welcome them on stage? Uh, one of the things I love, this is Guy and Shelly. One of the things I love about these guys is we, we make community groups really a, a place of importance at our church. And we ask you guys to get in one of those. If you're not in one of those, those are Bible studies where we do life together during the week in homes. And Guyan took that so seriously. He's not just in one group, but two, right? So he set the bar high so you guys can catch up with him. Uh, but no, seriously, I do love just how you guys have connected. I mean, just jumped right in with the church and God's people and you've served and you're, you're connecting even this morning. And so I, I just want the guys to hear from you and uh, you to hear from them about your experience. So why don't you just start out with the basics, just who, who you are, your family, how you came to Phoenix, what you do for a living, all those kinds of things. Let me give you that. That may help. Thank you, Tim. Um, most of you know that we, um, we came here from California, not originally from California, but 
I'm from Florida, grew up in Jamaica some of my lifetime, but I eventually ended up uh, in the Marine Corps. So 20 years later, we're in California, and um, we're at a turning point in, in, in our life where, you know, it's either continue with the military or do something different. And um, there were some decisions along the way that, um, on a more personal level, I'll share that with you guys, so you already know. There's reasons why I chose not to continue with the military. So 20 years retired, and everything point to Phoenix. So we've never lived here. Heard it's really horrible in the, in the <laughs> summer. Um, and so, you know, so we're saying, hey, if we're going to go, we prayed about it, and just everything pointed to Phoenix. Yeah, so we, faith, are retired, not a job, just go. Came here, the move, you know, did the first step, and then God took care of everything else from there, literally. Like, um, so I've been retired since December. Haven't I worked like one month since since then? Um, but God has been done, been doing everything since then. So we know we know that we're supposed to be here because He's taking care of the things that we need. We we have no needs that He has not met, um, have not met. So why are we here? We're, I think we're here to serve. That's part of it. The rest of it, I'm still waiting on to find out. You know, um, so that's why we think we're here to serve in Phoenix. And I think we're in the right place. Yeah. So, Pastor Shelby. <laughs> um, I'm here. I'm in school. It's one of the reasons why we came here. Well, my first choice was to stay in San Diego and go to school, but God kept directing us here. And... Um, Retiring, we've been in so many different churches. I grew up in the church. My husband grew up in the church. So we wanted to settle down. We wanted to find a church where we could call home and that David could grow up in, our son that's eight years old. And um, God led us here to PBC. Um, It was interesting because friends of ours live here, and they didn't know anything about PBC. (laughs) And they were like, they knew, they said, all we know is that they teach from the Bible, and we know that's what you guys are looking for. And so we showed up, and we came and found a home and family here, and it has been wonderful. Yeah. We're really glad you guys made it here, and I've heard some of that story, but what's amazing is a lot of people have that story. I think some of these guys here are probably nodding their head right now of they came to Phoenix, um, just thought it'd be a nice place to live and moved out here, didn't know anybody. So many people have that story. Phoenix is such a big city, an international city. And so you guys are, are part of a group of people. A lot of them uh, grew up here, but a lot of them didn't, right? We don't have a ton of Phoenicians in the room. Uh, and so you guys are, have just joined in. And David, I'm glad you mentioned him. He's in kids ministry right now. And um, what, what was your experience, again, coming to a church, they teach the Bible, that's what we wanted. What was your experience with the church before you guys got here? For me, um, it was more of uh, going to church on Sunday. I don't know if my previous job was somewhat of a facilitator to that, but you went to church on Sunday and then you did your thing for the week. Um, but there was always this urging, you know, to to go beyond that. You know, um, one of the things that Stacia read early in the Bible was serve, you know, and how do you become, how do you serve, how do you witness? You know, if you're in the hands and feet of Jesus, how do you witness? And, you know, the Maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but when we stepped into Phoenix, into, into PBC, 
we realized that the church had a had legs and arms, you know, in the most direct way. They went out, you know, and it w- it wasn't really coming to church on Sunday. It was you f- you felt the need to go out, mm-hmm. and and when I you know when I got here at Phoenix the first month, I did not know we had tons of immigrants in our backyard. Did not know that. I did not know that. You know, you couldn't, you know, you're having struggles going to Muslim nations to witness to people, but God put them right here. Mm. So you just drive up the street and go talk to them, you know, and, and, and so that, those arms and legs going out into the community and doing, you know, what the church is about was, was very welcoming to us. And, you know, um, you know, my brother over there, he, you know, we, we, one of the things that we do in the military is you go and you do things, you know, and so this is the same thing as, as Christians, you're going out to do things. And so I appreciate that God put us in a, in a position where he called us in an environment where the church was doing, was serving. And, and so I was very, and I'm very happy to say that I am a part of that. And, you know, for people like Stephen that, um, you know, and I'm going to say you lead the way, but you know, you do. A lot and so I told him he's my you know he's my he's my he's my I watch him for obvious reasons because I want to see what he does because I, I I want I like to serve you know but I need to be mentored in in those things and I watch him because of those those reasons to how to serve the community and PBC is the one that you know has been doing that it's allowing me an opportunity to to reach out and to um, serve collectively yeah um, as the body of Christ so that's Unite Phoenix, the once a month serve event, and you guys are there every single time. And what's that like? I mean, just since you guys have been here, you <laughs> give it, give the mic. Don't give the mic. No, I don't really need the mic. So that's yeah, yeah, there you go. But, okay. Uh, what's that been like serving once a month? I mean, you guys have a okay. how old is David? Eight. eight. You guys have an eight-year-old newer here. Like, what what's the experience been like? What how, do, how does this shape your view of Jesus? Doing all this as a family and. Like you said, being in the hands and feet of Jesus, what's that been like? So in terms of a parent, um, he's growing up, and everything he sees he has a question about. And so, you know, um, I'm, why are these people homeless? You get a chance to explain that. You know, why do we have to give these give to these people? You get a chance to explain that. Mm-hmm. And so for me as a parent, it is, it is showing him, you know, as the church, I guess you would say, and as a, as a person, you know how we're we supposed to live and interact with the with, with people, um, and so for, for in serving, you know, um, in, you know, for instance, we we uh, met up at the Justice Center a few weeks ago, and um, there's so many need in, in you know in that place. A lot of um, older elderly people, 55 and older, um, that most of them are sick, and you know, the one of the the, the representative would tell me that. When these people, they show up for a week and or for a day, and you never see them again. You have to assume anything could happen. And so, you know, I've made a connection with some of these these people, and one of them is, you know, he's in the hospital, and and he was so eager to reach out when I went to see him in the hospital that he's always, hey, you know, when are you come by to see me again? And so, that's the opportunity that's that's afforded to me. Um, am I answering your question? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, that's afforded to me as, as a believer where I am out there 
not just say, hey, you know, um, the Bible says love your neighbor and I pray for you and you feel better. See you later. But, you know, this guy, he likes um, little Debbies, you know. And so he say, hey, when you come actually bring me some little Debbies. I'm like, but that makes him happy. You know, he's in the hospital and so on, and somebody goes to see him and talk to him. And when we talk, he talks for like an hour or two. You know, just, and I just listen to him. Because in a sense, that's the, you know, when we're in a comfort zone, we see the world, we pray, yes. But there's need for physical interaction in the community. Where these people want to know that beyond yourself, not just words, you care. And, and, and so, you know, God has just been pressing on me to, to, to be in that capacity for, for some of these people. And so, you know, I'm very fortunate that I can go and, you know, um, I'm not, I don't remember the, uh, uh, Leslie, um, they do the um, one with the refugees. Um, you go into these groups and, and, and homes and you see the need and they just want, you know, they just want things like they need diapers for their babies and so on and so forth. And so, you know, things that you might throw away in your house might be of use to you. So in those sense, you know, getting out there, getting involved in the community um, and, and, and being in the hands and feet of Jesus. And so for me, it's, it's, um, it's an emotional thing, I guess you can say, you know, that God has put me here at such a time where the need, I've always been here, but it's, 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 he's made me like become such a part of it where it's, it's difficult. Yeah. To, all right. <laughs> I was um, no, for me, ever since I became a part of PBC, um, it was a lot of prayer to say that this would be our home. Um, and once we did, I think since being here, I've had this renewed sense of how much Jesus loves me. And like just hearing you every Sunday, sorry, I'm going to cry. I don't speak in front of you. <laughs> um, just hearing you every Sunday, I know it comes from God and I know it's meant for me to hear it. And on top of it, just seeing the love of God through everybody who goes here and just by them serving and it's hard for you not to do jump on board and do that and like show the love of God in your community or even in the church on Sunday, however you serve. Um, and I think that's been a huge part for me of being in PBC and what God wanted me is just to be back reminded of the love of God and how much he loves us and how much he loves everyone. That's really good. Well, Thank you guys for sharing. I mean, I know it's, it's tough. Shelly and I talked right before this, and she was like, how much can I share? And I don't know if I can, if I can stay up there and not cry. And, uh, and the reality is, that, and this is what I told her, and so just so you guys know, it's that way for everybody who gets up here. One, these lights are hot right now. I'm sweating. And it's, it's tough to share your story, but I, I think it's so valuable that you did and that you do and that now you know these guys. I don't know if you knew Guy and Shelly before this, but now you know a little bit about their story. And, and take them out for coffee, take them out for lunch, get to know more about their story, grab them outside, share some of your story. Again, we are the church, and this is a beautiful thing God is building, and it's through people like Guy and Shelly. And so thank them for sharing. Would you guys thank them with me? You can take it back. Yeah. I love hearing those stories. We're going to hear two more stories as we get these stools uh, next, uh, the next two weeks. And so different people in our church and just continue to do that. We want to take time to not just talk about the church, but hear from 
the church. And so that's what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. So thanks again to those guys for sharing. We are talking about church purpose. Uh, Guy and just, just hit it out of the park, set it up on a tee for me to hit it. Uh, this is what we're going to talk about is what is the purpose of the church? And what are we called to do and to be and to say as the church? And so here's where we're going. If you take notes, you're going to want to write this down, that when we talk about church purpose, it's bigger than you think. It's beyond your ability, but it's exactly what you were built to do. It's bigger than you think. It's beyond your ability, but it's exactly what you are built to do. And so we're just going to break that statement down over the next few moments together. The first part of that statement, the first point is it's bigger than you think. Grab a Bible if you didn't already. Uh, There should be one right around you. Pull it up on your phone. Look on the screen. Acts 1, 6 through 7 is where we see it's it's bigger than we think. And this is uh, Luke the author who also wrote the gospel of Luke, the four accounts of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And Acts is like the sequel. So we have the story of Jesus, and he lives, and he dies for sin, and he rises again victoriously. That's in the gospel of Luke. And then Luke writes the book of Acts as the sequel, as as the church rises up post-resurrected Jesus, and as his mission that he set in motion is carried out through the people of God and through the church. That's the book of Acts. And so as we come to verse 6, this is the final exchange between Jesus and his disciples, his followers. And so if you look at verse 6 with me, the disciples just ask Jesus a question. They say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now when you see kingdom there, here's what they're asking. They're asking primarily two things. They're asking for a political kingdom that they wanted to be out from, the, out from under the rule of Rome and have Jesus set up a throne and, and that he would rule. But they also wanted a, a territorial kingdom. They wanted their land and they wanted their, their home and to be restored to that as the nation of Israel. And so as they asked this question, God, Jesus, when are you going to set up your kingdom? Is it going to be restored to Israel? This is what they're asking for, political, territorial. And the first thing you need to know is this isn't a bad question. Sometimes we rag on the disciples, don't we? And and we say, well, they didn't get it. I mean, they're so small-minded. I mean, here yet again, they thought it was all about them, and they thought it was all about a physical throne. But we don't really need to rag on them here. This is a good question. It's a fair question to ask because the disciples really just knew their Old Testament. Right? They knew places like Jeremiah 23 and Ezekiel 36 and 37 where it describes God setting up his rule on the earth. And you got to put yourself in their shoes. They're thinking, okay, Jesus, you died for sin. You gave up your life and humility on the cross. You did that. And, and, and maybe they understood that. Maybe they didn't understand that fully at this point. But they saw Jesus do that. Then they saw him rise from the dead victoriously. And now they're talking with him, and it would only be natural, again, put yourself in their shoes to think, okay, Jesus, you died, you resurrected, now you reign. Now that promise is coming true, and so now are you going to restore this kingdom to Israel? And so it's a fair question, and notice, Jesus doesn't rebuke them. He does other times, right? But here he doesn't. He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't even say that's not going to happen. Look at what he says with me. In verse 7, he says, it's not for you to know the time. You see, what the disciples are wanting is going to happen, just not yet. 
And they don't need to know the time. And honestly, we don't know the time. When Jesus comes back, we see a picture of it. At the end of Revelation, Jesus comes back, and he rules on the earth, and his reign is made evident on the earth. That's coming, but they didn't know the time. We don't know the time. Only the Father knows the time. And so he gives them a gracious answer and says, it's, it's coming, but it's just not time for that yet. And the reality is, it's not even just limited to that, that it's bigger than that. So it's not limited to political, right? Jesus didn't want to just reign on a throne. He wanted to reign in hearts, right? His ultimate goal, he's going to reign on a throne. He's going to be the king of all the universe. But his, his goal in the meantime is he wants to reign in hearts, And it's not limited to the nation of Israel. We're going to see in a second, this is going to go out to the whole world, to the ends of the earth. And so it's bigger than they thought. As they thought about what this purpose is going to be for the church that Jesus is building, it's bigger than they realized. And it's bigger than we realize. As I uh, think about a couple weeks ago, I went to a concert with a, a buddy of mine in our church. It was my birthday, and so we went to this concert. And it was all this music, all these bands that I used to listen to when I was in college. And I was at this concert a couple weeks ago, and I realized a couple things. One, I was really angry in college because I used to listen to, like, heavy alternative rock. I know that may surprise you, but I did. And as I listen to these songs now, uh, a long time after college, I realized, well, I must have been really angry. Like, they scream a lot. And I didn't really pay attention to the lyrics back then, but they are awful. And I had a lot of issues, apparently, so lay off, Right? But I realized I must have been really angry in college. And then the second thing I realized is that everyone wants to be a part of something bigger. One of the the bands that uh, was one of the headlining bands, the guy, the lead singer, he essentially gave a sermon, right? You've been to concerts like that where you're like, stop talking and sing, right? That's that's a concert. Um, I can give sermons. You sing, right? But he essentially gave a sermon, and he was just talking about all the problems in the world and all the poverty in the world and all the the brokenness we experience. And at one point, he just said, but we got music to figure it all out. And everybody, big crowd, the AKHN Pavilion in Glendale, big crowd, everybody, when he said, we got music to figure it all out, everybody in unison said, yeah, right? Like middle-aged people were like, yeah. Older people, younger people were like, yeah, that's it. That's the answer. You you see, we all want to be a part of something bigger, don't we? You want that. They wanted that. I want that. We want to be a part of something bigger. Now, the problem with that is sometimes it's misplaced, right? Sometimes it's limited. Sometimes it is in things like music. We think, man, that's that something bigger. If we could just listen to more music and write more songs, I mean, that's the answer. That's what's bigger, For some of us, it's our career, and we just think, if I can achieve these certain things in my career, like, that's something bigger. I mean, my dad did that, and so if I can just achieve those things, if I can uh, go forward in my career and provide for my family, like, my dad will approve of me, and or he didn't do that, and I'm going to show him, and and we think, that's the something bigger that I can be a part of. Some of us who are parents, we think, the something bigger is our kids. Raising up the next generation and that they would know Jesus, in our case, that they would go to school and they would graduate from college and they would go on to work and provide for us and buy us a boat or something like that, right? I mean, that's something bigger. Some of us think it's retirement, 
right? And when we do Financial Peace University and we're like the debt snowball and just pay down debt, pay down debt and save, 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 you know, pay down your house, retire, invest so you can live like no one else, right? You know, all those things, we do those things and those things are all great. They're not bad, but the, oftentimes those are the bigger things we think we're a part of. And they're not bad, right? Music's not bad. Your career's not bad. Raising kids is not bad. Having a good retirement is not bad, right? None of those things are bad or unimportant. It's just that there's something, there's something bigger, right? And for the disciples, it wasn't bad that they wanted to restore the kingdom to the nation of Israel. It wasn't bad that they wanted Jesus who had died, resurrected, and, and, and is now about to reign, that they wanted that. It's, it's not bad. It's just that there's something bigger. It's not limited to that. It wasn't for them, and it's not for us. And as we, as we look at this, Jesus gives us the opportunity to be a part of that something bigger, right? But he doesn't just give us the opportunity. He empowers us to be a part of that. Look at the next verse with me, verse 8, Acts 1.8. It's our second point, that this purpose is not only bigger than we think, but it's beyond our ability. We see that in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You see, all these things that are bigger, all of God's purposes that he has in store for you in the church, it's bigger than you think, but it's also beyond your ability. You need a separate power because you don't have it, right? But many times, that's what we think about. We think about our religious activity. We think about our morality. We think about our ability, right? We think if I were to share up on stage at Phoenix Bible Church, man, I gotta have my things in order and I gotta make sure I'm reading the Bible every day and I gotta make sure I'm participating in these religious rituals. And we often think in terms of our ability, right? Some of you have kind of been here and done that before, right? And so you've heard a sermon on the purpose of the church and maybe they use different phrases or different words, but you kind of know where this is going, right? Some of you in here. You know where a sermon on the church purpose is going, that it's going to involve the world and it's going to involve others. And some of you have already tuned me out because you're thinking, Tim, my life is kind of a mess right now. Tim, I don't have the capacity right now. Tim, like, I didn't read my Bible this week. Like, you caught me, right? Tim, I don't know if I have anything to offer. Like, I don't know if I feel equipped for this. I don't know if I can do this. And listen, if that's you this morning, Jesus is going to agree with you. Jesus is agreeing with you that in his grace, he says, of course you can't do this. Right? You were never expected to. It was never about your ability or your Bible reading or your religious rituals. I'm going to give you a power, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's not about your ability. In fact, it's beyond it. And so this morning, if that's you, if you're feeling exhausted, if you're feeling discouraged, and you're like, Tim, a sermon on the purpose of the church, like, I don't know if I can do this thing, you can't. Amen? Let's just embrace that together. We can't, but, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That God, in his grace, gives you his power, and he does so in the form of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to give a whole sermon on the Holy Spirit today, but we will talk a little bit about this next week, a little bit more detail. But just three things quickly. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. And so if that's a new word for you, you have Father, God the Father. You have God the Son, that's Jesus. And then you have the Holy Spirit. It's a person. He is a person, the third person in the Trinity of God. 
And this person, the Holy Spirit, does a few things. I'm just going to give you three. He seals us so we're secure in our salvation. We see that in Ephesians chapter 1. He sanctifies us. He makes us more like Jesus, 1 Peter 1. He sends us. We see that here in Acts 1 and and really throughout the book of Acts as he sends these disciples out and they share the good news of Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit seals us, sanctifies us, sends us. It is the power, he is the power that unleashes us for God's purposes. And the primary way, again, we'll get into this next week, but the primary way the Holy Spirit of God does all those things is through the proclamation of his word and through the practices of his church. And so this mission, this purpose that Jesus is giving the early church, the disciples, that Jesus is giving you this morning, it's not about your ability. It's beyond your ability, but he gives you his power. And that leads us to our third point, that this is what you're built to do. Look back at verse 8 with me. Jesus gives us the purpose. He says, you will be my witnesses. So if you know Jesus... You have his power. You have his spirit. It's indwelled with inside of you. It's sealed you. It's sanctifying you. It's sending you. And here's what it's sending you for. You will be my witnesses. Now, what do witnesses do? They, they share what they've seen and what they've heard. Seems pretty simple, right? Almost too simple. Like, what is our, what is our purpose in the world? What's God's will for my life? What's God's will for the church? What's his mission for the church? Well, it's it's to be his witnesses. It's to simply share what we've seen and heard. That almost seems anticlimactic, doesn't it? Like that's the the purpose is just for us to share what we've seen and, and heard. But if you look a little bit closer, this word witness in the original language is also the word for martyr. Martyr, to give your life, right, to the point of death. And so the reality is, this is simple to say, profound to do, right? To to share what you've seen and heard about the Son of God, Jesus, who came to restore and reconcile people to God. To share what you've seen and heard, to give your life for that, right? The disciples, that's what they go on to do. This is their life. For you and I, this is our life. And it's not that we die because of it or necessarily that happens to us, but it's the idea that we give our whole lives to share what we've seen and heard about Jesus. Simple to say, profound to do. So as Jesus is witness, we share who Jesus is. We share that Jesus is God who humbled himself and became a man. We share that Jesus is the light of the world. We share that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. So we share who Jesus is. We share what we've seen, what we've heard. But we also share what Jesus has done. That Jesus saves us from sin. That he heals us from shame. That he restores us to a loving and right relationship with our creator. And so you witness about Jesus. You share who he is, what he's done, what you've seen, what you've heard. This is your purpose. This is the purpose of the early church. And this is our purpose as Phoenix Bible Church. But it's not just what we do. This is witnesses, so it's kind of a command, right? Be my witnesses. But it's also a statement of fact, right? You will be my witnesses. And so what Jesus is calling them to is not just some things to do or add to their busy lives or their schedules. He's saying, this is who you are. This is what you were built for. This is how you're, you're wired, Charles Spurgeon, a great old pastor and theologian, 
said this, and I think it encapsulates it well. He said, if Jesus is precious to you, you will not be able to keep your good news to yourself. You will be whispering it into your child's ear. You will be telling it to your husband. You will be earnestly imparting it to your friend. Without the charms of eloquence, you will be more than eloquent. Your heart will speak and your eyes will flash as you talk of his sweet love. You see, the purpose of sharing Jesus is an outworking of knowing Jesus. That's what you're built for. This is who you are. It's part of the fabric of what you're created to be and to do with your whole life, right? I think all the way back to the beginning in Abraham that you will be a blessing or that you will be blessed, but it's to be a blessing, right? 2 Corinthians 5, New Testament, that you are reconciled to God, this amazing truth. You're reconciled to God, but now you're ministers of reconciliation. I think about Acts 1, you will be my witnesses, and then you go on to see 39 times in the book of Acts alone where people are described as Jesus' witnesses. It started with a few, and it went out to the thousands, right? So it's always been this way from the very beginning, and it continues today, that, that we love Jesus, but we don't stop there. We live like Jesus, and then we begin to lead others to Jesus. That's our mission statement. This is the way we say it, that we're wired for this. We're built for this. Right? This is for you, but it goes out to others. It always has. You share what you've seen and heard, who Jesus is, what he's done, and that goes out to others. Right? And so that's the purpose of the church. It is bigger than we think. It's beyond what we can do, but it's what we're built for. Right? This is what you and I are built for amidst your sin, amidst your doubt, amidst your insecurity, amidst all the things that you still don't have in order in your life, this is what you were built for. Listen, we struggle with, what's God's purposes for my life? Like, as a single person, like, what's, what's God's purposes? And what we really say is, like, who am I going to marry, right? What's God's purposes for my life with kids? And what we're really saying is, like, God, when are they going to graduate from college and provide for me? Right, what's God's purposes for my life? Like, what job should I take, and, and how should I act at my job, and, and where are you taking us, and maybe what city do I need to move to? You don't need to move. You need to stay in Phoenix, right? That's God's purpose for your life. <laughs> but we always ask these questions, and like it's some mysterious thing. Listen, you need to pay attention to God's purpose for your life. It's to be the witnesses of Jesus Christ to share who he is, what he's done, to share what you've seen, what you've heard with a lost and dying world that's going to hell without Jesus. That's your purpose. It can't get bigger than that. And that weaves itself in and out of your job, of your career, of your kids' lives, of your family's life, of your retirement. It informs, it affects everything you do. Right? That's your purpose. That's your will. That's God's will for your life. I don't even have to have a conversation with you to know that. Why? Because we see that in his word. This is God's purpose. And because of that, it has implications for us at Phoenix Bible Church. One is that missions, being Jesus' witnesses, making disciples, you see that in the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, that all of these different ways to say what we see here, that these are not add-ons to the church. These are not separate ministries or programs that we add on to the church. This is the church, right? Does that make sense to you? 
that the church is defined by the mission, right? And so it's not that we have worship over here and we have kids ministry over here and we have greeting over here and we have Bible studies during the week over here and we do what we're doing in here. We have people who set this thing up and we have what makes up the church and then we add on well, we have a missions department, and we have a budget for that, and we have a discipleship program. It's not that. No, discipleship, making disciples, being the witnesses of Jesus is the church, right? And so when we say love Jesus, live like Jesus, lead others to Jesus, that's what we do. That informs everything else we do, right? And it informs the obvious things like we already talked about Unite Phoenix, our second Saturday of the month. We go and serve our city, and we're tangible expressions of God's love to our city, and it's that for sure. Right? It's our Easter offering that on Easter this year, we gave away all the money we got on that Sunday to, so kids could go to a Christian camp to hear about Jesus, many of them Muslim kids and refugee kids. And so God's mission is, is that for sure within our church, right? God's mission is that we went to Rocky Point a few months ago and people helped build a house and minister to people and kids that way in Mexico. We're going to do that again in November. Be a part of that. This is part of what we're describing. We have a family in Honduras that we sent out a little over a year ago now that's on mission, being Jesus' witnesses in Honduras. This is all a part of the church's mission. So it's those obvious things, but it's also everything else. It's this right here. It's Sunday morning worship. When you stepped into this room this morning, you are stepping into the mission of God. You're stepping into this great commission, make disciples. You're stepping into this idea of being the witnesses of Jesus to the ends of the earth. This is what we're doing. And so we sing songs to share what we've seen and what we've heard about Jesus. The reason I'm yelling at you right now is because I want to share what I've seen and what I've heard about Jesus. The reason you're getting all of these nuggets from Scripture is so you can be equipped to go throughout your week to share what you've seen and what you've heard about Jesus. And so it affects and it informs everything we do in this service, right? And not only in this service, what we do in kids' ministry, we always say we make little disciples of Jesus. It's not babysitting. It's making little disciples of Jesus. Like This mission informs everything we do. It informs our community groups. That's where we get together and we say, how do we, how do we settle in? How do we embrace what we've seen and heard about Jesus? What does that look like in our lives? How do we share that with others? That's community groups. It's our service teams. It's our production teams. Uh, The men and women who are back there, often unseen, often before the service start, our our setup team that are plugging in cables, that are rolling cases, that are setting up everything you see in this room, that they're part of this mission. Because they're not just plugging in a cable. No, they're making sure the sound works. They're making sure there's a screen so you can see. They're making sure Bibles are out. Why? So that we can put on a good show? So we can have church? That's a lot of work just to have church, right? But if it's taking care of the seen and the unseen, if it's taking care of all the details so there's no distractions so that you and I right now where you're seated can see and hear Jesus and be equipped so that others can do that as well, that's part of the mission of God. That's an integral part of the mission of God. It's things like the events we put on. Even this Saturday, we have a pool party this Saturday. And some of you think, well, Tim, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm rolling with you here, but pool party, not sure that's about God's mission, right? 
I mean, how does swimming around the pool have to do with God's mission? Listen, it does. Because the reality is, is people won't come to this place. Some people will. You're here, right? But you have friends and family members and neighbors. They won't come to this place. Well, they'll go swim in a pool because it's hot in Phoenix. And it's fun to swim, right? And remember what we said last week, the church is not a, a place you go to, it's a people you belong to. So here's the reality, is when we show up to that pool next Saturday, the church shows up to that pool, right? Because the people of God are his building, his temple, 1 Corinthians 3. So when we show up to a pool, the church shows up to the pool. And so you get to share your life. You get to share Jesus, what you've seen and heard with people at a pool and people that don't know Jesus and are disenfranchised with the church, they get to see and hear about Jesus. You see, this mission is not an add-on. It's not a program. This is the mission of the church. And everything we do at Phoenix Bible Church, everything we do, it fits under that umbrella. If it doesn't, we don't need to be doing it, right? And so this defined the early church. This defines our church, it's this bigger purpose. It's beyond our ability, and we're built for it. This is what we were designed to do. It's why we started Phoenix Bible Church, and we do that with two things. We do that with confidence, and we do that with urgency. Look back at verse 8 with me. Jesus says in verse 8, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where they lived. Judea, Samaria, those are neighboring areas and to the ends of the earth. Now, this may not blow you away, but it should. Again, all this time, the disciples, the nation of Israel, they would have thought Jesus is going to set up shop. He's going to reign for us. We're the people of God. But Jesus says, no, no, no. This is going to start with you. It's going to start with you in Jerusalem, but it's going to go outside of you to the world, to the ends of the earth. Now, this should blow you away because we're in Phoenix right now. Phoenix didn't exist at this time. They thought the ends of the earth were something else, not Phoenix, but you're here today. We're meeting today. We're singing songs about Jesus today. We're declaring and demonstrating the love and truth of Jesus today, that the church is here. And so we approach this mission with confidence because it's happened. Jesus has promised this is going to go out to the ends of the earth. It's happened. That's Phoenix. That's beyond what they thought. It's happened, but it's not just that it's happened, it's happening, and it's happening through you. And so listen, I know there's obstacles with the church. I know as you think about, again, as you think about institutions of the church and organizations of the church, you you can tell stories of places you haven't even been involved in. You're like, man, that's kind of jacked up, that happened, and there's some pain, and there's some brokenness out there in those churches. And, man, that's, I just hate seeing stuff like that and representing the name of Jesus. And we've all seen those things. A lot of us have experienced those things, and we've walked through those things together. There's obstacles, and there's pain with the church. There's also that in our church, starting a new church. There's obstacles of finances, of facilities, of sin, of sickness, of strife of staffing, of Sunday morning and putting this all together and building everything from scratch and ministries. There's obstacles associated even with our church. But listen, it will not fail. The church will not fail. How can I be so confident? Because it doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on me. 
It doesn't depend on some cute sermon graphics or my eloquence or all the programs that we can do in the community to reach all the different demographics. It doesn't depend on us. Jesus set this in motion. He says in the Gospels, I will build my church and even the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And so we have a confidence in the church, even with all the messiness, even with all the obstacles, even with all the pain. We approach this mission with confidence. Why? Because we're here today. It's happened. It's to the ends of the earth. You and I are evidence of that this morning as you walked in here, and it's still happening through us. So we approach with confidence, and we also approach with urgency. We see that in verses 9 through 11. Jesus ascends into heaven, and the disciples are gazing up in the sky, and an angel says, Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who has taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way. He essentially says this, Jesus is coming back, so get to work. Get to work. Stop looking up. Start looking around. Who are these people in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth that you can go to and be his witnesses to? There's an urgency because Jesus didn't just ascend to heaven. He's coming back to gather his people, the church. And so we want as many people as possible. God desires all men to be saved. We want as many people as possible to be restored into a loving and to a right relationship with God. And not just that, but to be restored to their actual purpose, the purpose they were designed for, to spread the good news of Jesus with others. So we approach this with confidence. We approach this with urgency. That's what we do today, just as they did in the book of Acts. And so how do we do that? I just want to give you one thing as we close. Some of you think about this and you're like, man, the whole world, Tim, I don't know if I can do that. The ends of the earth, I don't know if I'm equipped for that. Start in Jerusalem. Right? Start where you live. And so think through, what is my Jerusalem? Like, Start somewhere. What is my Jerusalem? For some of you, your Jerusalem is your kids. Right? Some of you have little kids. We have little kids. And your kids don't know Jesus yet. So you need to be the witnesses of Jesus at home. That's your Jerusalem. You need to share what you've seen and heard about Jesus with your kids. You need to crack open up a Bible and memorize scripture with them and make it fun and make it engaging and love them and bring them to church and show them what it's like to follow Jesus. Your Jerusalem is your kids. For some of you, it's your your spouse. For some of you, your spouse doesn't know Jesus yet. That's that's your Jerusalem. For some of you, it's your, your neighbor. And that person, you know, I need to invite them over for dinner like we've been talking, and and I want to share my faith with them, but I don't really know how. Invite them over for dinner. That's your Jerusalem. For some of you, it's your coworker who you need to invite to church and say, hey, just just come. I know you have perceptions of the church, but listen, it's a little bit different than what you might think, and we're going to look at the Bible and hear about Jesus. And I think if you come, you'll like it. Come to church with me. Invite them to the pool party. You need to start sharing what, what, what you've seen and what you've heard with your Jerusalem. So what's your Jerusalem? Start there. What is that for you? The best advice I've ever heard around this topic is to do what you already do, but to do it with gospel intentionality. To do what you already do, but to do it with gospel intentionality. You see, some of you are thinking right now, like, Tim, I don't have the capacity. I don't have the time for this. My life stage doesn't lend itself to what you're describing. Right? We have kids' nap times, and they go to bed at 7, and I, I don't know that I, I can do this. Maybe someday I, I will. And listen, 
Some of you are thinking that. Some of you are thinking, I work 60 hours. And we all can build in excuses of why we can't do this because we can't add things to our life. And, and don't hear that this morning. I'm not saying you need to add anything to your life. You need to start in your Jerusalem. You need to start with what you already do, the places you live, the places you work, the places you interact with others over hobbies, the things you already do, but put on the lenses of Jesus that you're as witness and share what you've seen and heard about Jesus with those people. It's not about adding something to what you do. It's doing what you already do with this mindset, with this purpose that God has built you for. If you are not a Christian this morning and you're thinking, I knew it, <laughs> I knew it. Like, this is what Christians are about. They just want to convert everybody, and churches are about. They just want us to follow Jesus and believe that Jesus is the only God. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And they want me to give my life to him and my money to him and his work in the world. And I knew it. If that's you, busted, right? If that's you, all cards on the table, peek behind the curtain, you did know it. And this is what we're called to do, and this is our purpose. We want to share what we've seen and heard about Jesus, and we want you to see and hear about Jesus. And we want you to know him just like we know him so you can live out this purpose for your life as well, so you can stop settling for the lesser purposes in life that, if you're honest, always fail you, always disappoint you. Right? Yes. Busted. This is what we want for your life. We love you. We want you to know Jesus. I, I hope, I trust this morning that you'll consider what you've seen and heard about him, right? That you'll give your life to him and that you'll experience his purpose for your life that we experience as the church. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the church. I thank you for the people of God who you've given this massive purpose to. God, I pray that we would walk in it. And God, I pray for these men and women who are considering just what that looks like, what their Jerusalem is in their life, that they would start somewhere. They wouldn't just think about adding things to their lives, although some of us may need to do that, that they would just think, we would think collectively, how can we do what we already do and actually fulfill your purposes? God, God help us with that. We, we desperately need it. We need you to soften our hearts to where we even care about your purposes in the world. God, we need to be brokenhearted for the city and the people who are lost, who are dying, who are in need, who need you, who need someone to leave today and proclaim to them and just say, hey, have you heard about Jesus? What role does he play in your life? Let me tell you about him. To that coworker, to, the, to that neighbor, to that, that kid in our own house, God, I pray that you would mobilize us for this mission. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, which you so graciously grant us and everyone in this room who has believed in you this morning, we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.